Today's purple elephant shot. Ugh. Reset. I meant, you know, <laughs> a lot of pressure riding on this. This is the first live interview. Today's purple elephant thought, which is not taken from Reddit because I came up with it myself. The Truman Show basically exists for every vlogger on YouTube, but it's like if Truman produced it and no one gave a shit about it. This is Purple Elephant Radio, where we hear about storytelling, originality, and creativity from the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. Today's podcast is the first one I'm doing live. So the person I'm with is literally three feet away from me, not social distancing, but that's okay because he's my roommate. And this person is a filmmaker, actor, musician, uh, TikTok famous. Um, you might have seen him in the most recent Purple Elephant film, The Sticker Club. And I'm talking about no one but Ben Prentice. Welcome to the Purple Elephant Radio. Hey, Sean. How are you? Uh, well, I didn't like that I wasn't called a comedian there. I'd say I'm a comedian before anything. Ben, adding to your bio, he's also <laughs> a stand-up comic, and he is exec on Stand-Up Club and Improv Club at Mizzou. So, you happy now? I am. I am. I gotta make sure everyone knows I'm funny before anything. Ben, just to open up the first question, I want to leave it as open-ended as you want, and I just want to hear your origin story. So you can go back as far as you want, but, I mean, why are you here? Why am I interviewing you right now? Yeah, um, that's a big question to ask straight off. Just give uh, me the spark notes, like The spark notes. Um, as a kid, I, I, I've struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life, um, I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. I felt like I was always trying to change myself uh, to fit in with other people. And, you know, at a pretty young age, I realized that if I can make people laugh, people will accept me. So throughout that time uh, of my life, I was just constantly trying to form myself into a way that I can, like, make people laugh consistently. Um... And, you know, as I grew, as I've grown up and recognized my depression more and recognized my anxiety more, uh, I realized that the best way to keep my mind healthy is to create things. Um, so just through that and working with comedy, uh, making people laugh, that's just how I've kind of like kept a level head and gotten through life. <laughs> yeah, and I know that so you said you're like, you always kind of been the, the funny guy, but I feel like your kind of integration into the, the comedy organization started a little, a little bit later than mine. Um, because I, I found out about one of the comedy clubs, like going into college and I know you didn't really fully like kind of join everything until, um, the, that second semester freshman year, but you were doing stand up before anyone I knew. So what was that like just finding stand up before the like community that you now call your like closest friends? Yeah, it was it was weird because I, I was pretty isolated my freshman year. I was very I, I, uh, 
isolated myself. It wasn't anything around me. I just didn't really go out and try to make friends. I just kind of sat in my room and was depressed and didn't do much. And, you know, during this time, I would watch a lot of, you know, stand up, watch a lot of funny movies. And I think it was after a John Mulaney special that I was probably rewatching for like the fifth time. And I just like was, I was showering and I was like doing a bit and I was like, I should just do this. Like I should find a stage and actually just like do this and it would give me something to do. So I looked up online and there's Eastside Tavern in Columbia, which is one of the weirdest places to possibly do stand up. Um, and I was like, okay, so I make people laugh all the time, but you know, it's a whole different experience actually getting on stage and doing jokes because it's strangers and it's so nerve wracking. And I remember the first joke I did, uh, which I still think is pretty funny. I, I went up there and I went, and I was so nervous, I botched it. Uh, but the joke was, yeah, this is my first time doing stand-up, so thanks for you all for coming out. Uh, also, this is pretty cool for you guys, because in five years, you guys can tell your kids, oh, I saw Ben Prentice do his first ever stand-up show. And then they'll say, who the fuck is Ben Prentice? Why do you talk to me like this, Dad? <laughs> and they all, and people laughed. And from that point on, I like settled down, and then I was just hooked on stand-up. Yeah, and then, so like, after you kind of got into stand-up, it seems like you came into the improv club and kind of found your group of people. What was that like, kind of feeling isolated and doing this comedy, but it was all kind of solo? What was it like kind of finding a group that you connected with? I mean, it was, it's, it's been everything. I mean, I'm probably happier than I've ever been in my life solely because I found other people who kind of don't fit in to like traditional groups other than comedians. And I think that's that's what we are. So, I mean, I just went on like the, the Mizzou MU Engage page, which just has all the clubs. And I was like, improv, I wonder what that's like. And I went to an improv show and it was so stupid and just so like, no one cared about how dumb it was. And I was like, this is exactly where I wanna be. So I showed up and I mean, you know, I. I'm a very shy person. A lot of people think I'm like, they see my stand up and they see like my internet presence and they assume like I'm this very outgoing, confident person. But like, I'm sure, I mean, we probably talk like two times in like a semester and I would just like kind of yeah. sit there and try not to bother anybody. Um, and then what was the tipping point of like, really feeling like you were a part of the group? Uh, it was the, it was the next year. Um, I, I had just broken up with my girlfriend uh, and I was coming back to Mizzou essentially knowing nobody other than like having these slight acquaintanceships with improv people but have never really hung out with anyone. So I just kind of uh, put my head down and said, you got to get through it. You got to like hang out with people. And I just like made every effort to like spend time with people that I knew. Uh, and it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. I mean, now you're roommates with yeah. three other <laughs> comedy people. Uh, so moving away from just kind of having that community, I want to talk more about like filmmaking and acting in general, because I know recently you added, is it a full major or a minor in acting? In theater, yeah. In theater? It's a full major. Uh, and so the, your other major is digital storytelling, which I am 
as well. And that's kind of that film mm-hmm. making film production. So I want to know a, which one do you prefer being in front of the camera or directing and B, how do you think having both of those together is kind of, how can you integrate those together to be like, know how to act and know how to direct and know all this stuff? Well, I think it's good because you just learn a lot of things when you're constantly making stuff on either side of the camera. So, you know, when I'm directing something, I can learn from seeing the actors do things because I'll, I'll go back and edit what I just shot and it'll say, or it, somebody will have broke continuity because they're in a totally different position. And I learned just seeing that, I'm like, oh, when I'm acting, I need to make sure that I'm doing the same movements every take. Uh, I would say I prefer acting. Um, I like directing, and, and if I don't have to edit it, I'm fine. I just really don't like editing. There was a point in time where I was like, oh, yeah, editing's cool, and then I just got kind of burnt out on it. Um, I like setting up shots. I like writing stories. I like directing. Um, but I also just, there's just something about acting that I love where you can just kind of do something else. I think that's what got me into acting in the first place was I, I was always somebody who couldn't like sit at, I can't sit at a desk. I can't like let that be what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And acting allows you to be multiple things throughout any project you can transform into in the case of sticker club this like acid dealer guy which like i would never be in real life but in that moment i was and i thought that was super cool yeah and just when it comes to acting i mean you're so into comedy and that the sticker club role was not funny and i know for myself i like to play with being like a funny character in something like improv but when it comes to writing scripts I lean towards the the seriousness and that's just my preference so I wonder how do you like when you're doing a role are you like I want to make this person funny or I'm gonna make this serious or like do you have a preference when it comes to acting uh I like comedy comedy is my favorite genre so I want to do mostly comedy in my life, um, if it all works out. Uh, but you know, in a, in a role like that, I'm I, I know it's a serious role, and I do want to do serious things. Um, it's just sometimes harder for me because I am emotionally unavailable and can't tap into that <laughs> emotion side usually. Uh, and that's what I've been trying to work at in classes and stuff is just trying to like, I always push myself to do serious work um, in my acting classes because I think that's where I lack. Whereas I think I can be funny for the most part if it requires, but I definitely prefer comedic roles. Any, I think, especially on like film, any good comedic role or comedic script has to have drama for it to work. And it has to have that sense of seriousness Mm -hmm. so that people are invested in the characters because, you know, jokes just for jokes that don't really go along with story and don't have like a bigger meaning. I just don't think hit as hard. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about kind of that, you know, having one preference or like, you know, you love the comedy I think of some of the the really well-known actors who have kind of 
transition, not completely, but like someone like Adam Sandler, who mm-hmm. in early in his career, he only did comedy stuff. And now, I mean, he, he just came out with Hubie Halloween, yeah. which <laughs> eh, we're not going to talk about that. But some of his more serious roles, like uh, Uncut Gems, and I think it's the Meyerowitz stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he did really well in those, and they weren't funny. So I wonder if for when it comes to something like acting where you have that preference, do you feel like the definition of like mastering acting is to be able to do what you think you like the least? So if you like prefer comedy, then being able to do seriousness is like really truly mastering mm-hmm. the art. I would say just like from this is my how I process things. I think what draws me to acting in general is that you can't ever master it. There's no I'm never going to I can always be better. There's always going to be something I could have done better and that's just kind of and a lot of people would 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 hear that and think, "Oh, well that sounds awful. You're never going to be like satisfied." But for me, it's like that's kind of how I have to go through life is always having something to work for and that's what kind of gives it purpose um and i don't think i i think um i want to be better at serious because i want to be better at serious and it's not necessarily like i feel like that's what i have to do because i think you know i mean in society serious actors are touted a little higher than comedic actors but i think um you know comedic actors do a lot of acting and just because they're saying jokes it kind of overshadows uh what they're doing but you know I think I want to say it's Will Ferrell who said it but it's like when you're acting and you're being like this funny guy you have to act seriously you don't think what you're saying is funny you think that you're just being your character and your character thinks he's being a normal guy and it's how like dysfunctional that person is in being serious that that's what the comedy comes from. So I think seriousness is just kind of important in all acting. Yeah, and I think that almost requires the same amount of like dedication to the role that something like a serious role where you'd like mm-hmm. have to cry or something. That's just as difficult with comedy where you have to like believe the character so much that it's like I am playing a serious person, mm-hmm. even though it's absurd. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I want to talk more about, so kind of the industry of like acting in Hollywood, in my opinion, is kind of on the decline with stuff like, you know, YouTube and all the social media. And I think this is very relevant to you because you're, uh, you have such a presence on TikTok. So I wonder when it comes to just having more outlets to get work out there and create stuff that isn't just like Hollywood where only a few are allowed to be in those Mm -hmm. movies do you think that's useful or like do you think that will replace Hollywood or do you still want to have those like feature film roles in in spite of having so many outlets that are easier yeah I I I don't think it'll replace I mean it could because streaming is so big nowadays um i personally you know my dream is to be you know on screen in a theater and i doubt theater going will ever go away i think 
I mean, unless this pandemic continues, I guess, but I, I think feature films will always be a thing. And I think, you know, TV shows will always be a thing, but, but they're definitely kind of going towards YouTube and stuff. And I don't know. I mean, TikTok for me is just like, I, I can just kind of say, do whatever I want. And I, it's not that important. And I can just kind of like be stupid on there. And that's kind of what I like about it. Um, so th to answer your question, I, I would want, my goal is striving for feature films. I, I want to be like, you know, in a Judd Apatow movie, if I can, you know, that's kind of where I strive to do. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause I, you know, I think the thing with YouTube and TikTok is just proving that user-generated content, even though it's often, really often, way more amateur, mm -hmm. people will still watch it. Like, I don't think that necessarily the standard people have has gone down, but it's just changed where if someone tries to make a, a feature film in a theater look like, you know, someone's YouTube channel that's mm -hmm. not that well done. Yeah. They'll be like this sucks, but if mm -hmm. they see it on YouTube it's they have a different standard well, set. Yeah. Did you Yeah, I, I think I think that's important because there are so many like YouTube channels out there that probably have better content than you know, some of the stuff I see on TV. So so that stuff, I mean, I watch YouTube all the time and I think user generated content is really cool because people have stories to tell and they don't have that like big box office budget that they can, you know, get from studios. And it's it very, even if you have, you know, a, a great script, it's so hard just to get that in front of people's eyes. Um, as far as I know, I obviously am 20 years old and don't know much <laughs> about the industry. Um, so I think it's really cool, you know, cause people our age can just kind of get content out and make like very cinematic stuff like what you do. Um, and it gives people a chance to be honest in their storytelling. Cause I think anything like any form of art, uh, is whether it's good or not, in my opinion is always subjective, but I think if it's honest and people are being vulnerable in their work. Um, it always has, you know, a special place in people's hearts, no matter what the medium is. Yeah, I like that idea of like originality, because one thing I was going to ask you is, with YouTube especially, but just all media in general, I are you familiar with like, everything's a remix? Yeah, like that? Yeah. So I wonder, do you think having like, YouTube and all this user generated stuff where information is, or like the, the entertainment is often just remixed even more obviously than TV shows, which may take certain themes and tropes and change the concept altogether. But with YouTube, it seems like the remixes are like direct remixes. Like this movie came out, we're going to make a spoof of this movie. Do you think that we, lose something in that do you think we lose a bit of like the sense of creativity or do you think it's just as creative just as valuable uh i i think that kind of goes back to my last point i think uh if if it's being remixed solely to put out a video then that's where i see like oh that's not very creative 
But if you're remixing it because like there is a purpose and it's like, oh, this made me think of this, I want to do it this way. And, and there's honest work in that and there's a genuine interest in what you're putting out. Uh, I think that always shows. So, I mean, there's just been so much created that it's hard to tell original stories at this point. And at the end of the day, we all have, we all have very different lives, but we all share very similar major milestones and big steps. So I don't think remixing is necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of creativity can come out of it. I think it just depends on, am I putting out a video to get views and make money? Or am I remaking this film to get views and make money? Or am I remaking this film because I actually have something I want to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of the other things, and we'll just stay on film because it's something we both know well. But if you look like way back in history when, you know, cameras were first being invented and films were first being made, it was obviously this really simple thing of like a train uh, coming across a screen was just this like magical thing in the sense of wonder. And then as it evolved, you know, 3D movies kind of became that thing that was like, oh my God, how do they do this? And CGI has become that thing. Yeah. Do you think we're ever going to run out of kind of that sense of wonder of like, how do they do this? Yeah. Or do you think there is another, what will be the next step also, if you think there is one? <sighs> I... I am a firm believer that technology is going to, at least like visual technology, like games and, you know, media is going to relapse on itself, you know, because, you know, you talked about this in Maddie's podcast, the paperback book is still around, you know, I think we're going to stay true to what has entertained us from the start. And, you know, you look at a movie like Cats, which is CGI wise, insanity it's so amazing and, and beautifully done and people work so hard on that, but people hated it because they were like, this looks too real. And I think we're kind of starting to hit that point in, in all media where we're hitting this uncanny valley point that's starting to take us out of what the, the origins of film are. Um, I'm sure they're going to find some other stuff, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't have any ideas on how things can get better. And I think at the end of the day, once we start relying too much on technological advances, then narratives are going to fall flat. And I think at the, at its core film is narrative and at its core films are only as good as the story because you can watch, you know, whatever Star Wars or whatever Marvel movie came out that's visually stunning and, and so well done cinematically and has all these super cool, you know, special effects. But at the end of the day, if you don't like what happened in the story, you're going to say, well, that sucked. I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching that. I just want to add something to the idea of like movies versus TV shows. So with movies, people pay to go in a theater. And as we become like stuff like Hulu and just, you know, cable TV in general, it seems like ads are the things that are really how these companies make their money, not people paying for the con for the stuff they want. 
And I think YouTube is similar in that sense. But I think stuff like YouTube, a lot of social media and um, podcast, we're kind of, they're no longer created to sell ad space. They're like people make, someone makes a podcast. I make a podcast, not because I'm going to think, oh, this is going to create ads. Like I'll be able to sell ad space here. It's because, you know, I'm curious and I want to ask people questions about creativity. And I think YouTube is the same way where people want to tell stories, not because they're trying to sell commercial space. They just want to tell that story. Do you think that makes um, the things that are told more valuable? Or do you think, um, or maybe not more valuable, but just more sincere, like they can be trusted almost in the stories that they're telling? Yeah, I I would agree that if if people are making it to make content, yes. Because I started my YouTube this summer and it was solely because I was like, oh, I'm getting some TikTok followers. I should monetize off this and make a YouTube. And I was just making videos to make videos and hopefully make money and they sucked. And so I took them down and I was like, I'm not gonna do this because I don't want to do this. And this is kind of, it's kind of a stretch, but this is kind of what my obsession with the Grateful Dead is because they would allow people, they were not a studio, like we're gonna release albums. They released albums, but they hated making it. They were like all about the live performance and they would let people come in and record shows. And they were like the first band to let people like bootleg their shows essentially. And they weren't seeing any of that revenue, but it was cause they didn't care about the money. Most of them, I mean, they, they had like at one point, like 50 people just on their entourage living just because they liked the community of the people that were like involved in the music. And it was always about the music and that comes through in what they do. And every show is special because you can tell they care. And I think that at the end of the day is there's always going to be people on YouTube that are trying to monetize. There's always going to be podcasts that are trying to monetize and that's their intention. Um, and you know, it's, it's something you can't avoid. You need money in life. Uh, so I don't think there's anything inherently bad at that. But I think if, if the second somebody stops caring about the content they're putting out, that's when it's not trustworthy. And that's when it's not like, it's just content for the sake of content and no longer content f with a purpose. Oh yeah. And I, I think with a lot of kind of these bigger companies with their social media presence, it's so fake and mm -hmm. it's so obvious that they don't care about anything. They're just like, this is the new way to advertise our mm -hmm. stuff. And that's not what social media and podcasts are about. And just in my uh, opinion, I think I, I want to change or like influence the culture in the sense of like businesses that advertise that normal way. I want to move away from that. I want it to be more the companies that are getting like sponsoring certain videos. It's because a, they care about the creator who's mm -hmm. making that stuff. You know, it's like a right fit. And I'm kind of want you to talk about that um, shirt there, but it's like finding the right match to where the creator who's talking about a business, they really care about the product. And I think there's always going to be people who are like just doing it for the money. But I think because 
you know, social media has kind of made everyone transparent and we can tell when someone's being fake mm -hmm. and just their intentions aren't sincere. So I think social media is going to help people pair creators with businesses that they actually care about. Yeah. Yeah. So as you said, I, I have teamed up with a tie dye shirt company called liquid blue, um, through TikTok, and, and they were really the only company that I ever really thought I would like, you know, promote or influence because they, I wear their shirts almost every day. I think tie dye is a super cool look. Um, so I think, also, I think creators are kind of having that ownership through social media where they have choices now. And it's like, if you were, if you're an actor trying to do a commercial, you'll take any commercial. You don't care what the product is, but like, you know, social media wise, I mean, there are probably still some people who will take anything just for the money, but it's like, I'm not going to promote like Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby on my, you know, channel because mm -hmm. I don't agree with their leadership uh and so i was only ever going to promote things that i cared about and i actually hit them up because people were constantly asking me on my uh on my post they were like where did you get the shirt from and i was like this is a lot of people asking for this i feel like i should be uh you know partnered up with this company so i could at least get some free shirts and i did so yeah and i mean let's say on tiktok now so obviously that that's been a successful thing where you were, because your presence was so big, you were able to reach out to a business that you mm -hmm. like and actually respect them. Yeah. And you were able to kind of work out a deal, like a sponsorship uh, of sorts. But I just want to focus on the origins of your TikTok so people have a backstory because I think that is your biggest platform. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to hear like how you started, why you started and kind of where you are now with it. Well, it just started in quarantine and it, it goes back to the depression and anxiety and just like having like a need to create things. Um, I make the joke that it's, I need constant comedic validation, which has some truth in it. Um, but it was just like, yeah, I wasn't, I couldn't perform stand up. I couldn't like, I mean, I could write sketches, but they weren't gonna be done for, you know, a year or so and I could write stand-up sets and they probably weren't going to see stage for a year or so. Um, so I just wanted something that I could create that had like purpose in that moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, TikTok just lets me kind of like, if I have a good idea, do it. And people are like, Oh yeah, this is funny. And then they move on. And that's what I think is the most liberating part about TikTok is, you know, I have 75,000 followers, but if my video sucks, it only gets a thousand views. And that's what I think is super cool. Cause like, it allows me to like do the same thing where like, if I have a joke that I think might be kind of funny, I can go to the stage on standup and like people either laugh or they don't. And if they don't, I move on and go on to the next one. And it's kind of like that where it's like, if I make a stupid joke on TikTok that no one likes, it's whatever. I'll just like move on to the next one. And it just gives me that like outlet and like how to push things out. Cause I just always need ideas pushed out of me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, are there ever days? Cause I know you post every day, like multiple times a day. Are there ever days where you're like, I have no inspiration, no ideas. Oh yeah. So, but you still manage to like post every day. Yeah. So what is the key behind that? 
the key behind that is just not caring about what you post genuinely. And I know I talk about this with with YouTube and stuff about how like not caring is a is a bad thing. But I think, you know, when it's a 15 second post, it's not that I don't care. It's just that like, I'll go on there and it's, I don't care about making something that the audience likes, I should say. And it's like, I'll, if it's a day that I just like, don't really wanna like figure out what the trends are, figure out what sounds are good, I'll just go on there and like say a joke that I thought of. And it's like funny to me, but I don't really care if they think it's funny. Um, and I think that's the, the, the best way to go about it, is just like, if you're constantly looking at numbers, and like looking at how successful everything you put out is, you're gonna go insane and it really needs to be about, do you like what you're putting out? And there's so many like gurus out there that's like, it shouldn't matter if you like what you're putting out, you need to do it for the numbers, like you need to do it for the people. And it's like, I did that and I got a lot of followers, but I think, you know, I realized I was like sitting around like 5,000 followers and I was like, oh, I can't wait till I hit 10,000. And then I hit 10,000 and I was like, ooh, I can't wait till I hit 25,000. And every time I hit one of these milestones, I realized I wasn't actually like happier. I was just like, okay, let's do the next, let's, let's hit the next milestone. So then once I realized that, I was like, let me just make content that I like. And if people like it, then people like it. If people don't, people don't. And I'll move on. And, you know, because TikTok is not my end game. Yeah. TikTok is just something I do for fun. Um, and you know, I started TikTok, I guess, in hopes that it would get me a fan base for my standup, um, in hopes that I could go and like, be like, Hey, I'm doing a show here and people would actually buy tickets and come. Um, so yeah, I guess I don't, I don't know where I'm going. No, 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 no. I, I wanted to touch on something you said earlier in that is that you've like heard the gurus talk about TikTok and it's just make videos that people will like mm -hmm. and i think when an intention is please what the masses yeah. like it makes you the same as everyone else yeah. so i'm really glad you you have that kind of awareness where you've seen that and maybe you did do that and it got you followers but yeah. that's not it's like it's not what you want to yeah. do and i think i don't know do you think that there has to be some level of that or do you think you can still become big by solely creating the stuff that you want and or does it have to be like a hybrid model I at think, all times i think uh there's you have to adapt for the platform like i try when i started tiktok everything i did was very meta and i was like and it was like my stand-up kind of like i would go in and like this is my style of comedy and it just didn't translate well to the app so i definitely had to adapt it wasn't that I was changing my style of comedy. It was just, I was learning a new form of like, oh, this is how you make people laugh on this app. So you adapt to the platform. How would you define it for TikTok? It's very, it's like, it's so hard to explain to people that don't watch yeah. TikToks. Cause I feel like a lot of it relies on you knowing the trends. Like you see these trends over and over again. And it's those little like adjustments that make it original from my perspective. Like if I'm making something, I'll take a trend and then, I, you know, you put your own spin on the trend. Um, and I think a lot of like the joke hitting relies on people knowing what the trend is. Cause I'll like some of my, you know, best TikToks that I've done, the, the most popular ones, I could never like show somebody that 
doesn't use TikTok that because they would, and even I could show somebody that does use TikTok and they would have no clue because like their for you page is totally different than mine and they don't see the same like trends mm -hmm. that I see. So it's hard to define. Um, it's just kind of something you have to do yeah. a lot. And I, I mean, I'm not, I don't use TikTok, but I've seen enough like I've been sent enough TikToks just over text messages to get an idea yeah. of like that kind of quick pace like mm -hmm. text where it's like boom boom this is character this yeah. character and every you play all the characters yeah that kind of I don't know yeah it's hard to put into words but it's kind of that quick paced but I, I okay I want to talk about that because I do think TikTok TikTok is so fast paced that I worry that more than any other app, except maybe Vine in the past, that it's like ruining our attention span in the sense of like, oh, there's a race to the bottom for how quick can I tell this joke? Mm -hmm. And I worry, I don't think this will actually come to fruition, but this idea of like, every joke is like five seconds, five seconds, yeah. five seconds, and no one can take in a, a show or a yeah. movie anymore because i even struggle to watch I, a feature I, film now well i'm i think it, it it definitely i think just who we are and the generation we've grown up in our attention span is shot um like i cannot watch hour long like shows i cannot like keep up with like a breaking bad or a walking dead where it's like these 45 minute episodes because i just can't focus that long on like this big story like i can watch two hour movies like pretty easily i mean if it sucks then it's kind of hard to get through yeah. but i can watch those very easily um because like the entire story is being told in those two hours but like a breaking bad where it's like you know we're talking like 60 hours probably of of a story then it's like uh I can't watch it all in these hour long pieces. And that's why I like, like sitcoms. Cause it's like, they have jokes that keep you entertained, but they also have a larger story and it's like in 20 minute pieces. But I guess the, to answer the question, I don't know if I have yet or not. I'm just kind of rambling. Um, I think again, it kind of goes back. Like I just don't see, any, I think I think we're always at the end of the day gonna cycle back to the originals, and I think you know I can't read a book, but I know you read a lot, <laughs> and it's like not everyone likes movies, not everyone likes standups, but at, at the end of the day, we're all like I don't think anyone solely is watching TikToks out there. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't you know watch a TV show or doesn't you know read a book or doesn't do their form of like attention grabbing for multiple hours um at a time no yeah I, I think and i don't know this for sure but i think there was a similar fear when tvs first came out mm -hmm. where uh you know like journalists and just people with influence maybe on the radio they'd be like oh people are going to be glued to their screen all day mm -hmm. and i think we've definitely seen a trend upwards to where people are Oh yeah, but at the same time, I agree with you. Where I think people will always circle back to the originals and kind of the there will always be people who read books. But I wonder with apps like TikTok, where you know I'm not on it, and I'm not saying it's bad if you are on it, 
But do you think there's going to be this divide between a population with attention spans like quicker than the snap of your fingers and people with like kind of haven't lost that attention span? Do you think there will be that divide? Uh, I would say the reason I'm in comedy and, and entertainment is because I am not sciencey enough to know <laughs> you know i think that's for the scientists to decide and well I'm yeah just i was gonna just gonna say like my jokes from like a it might your it intuition might not because i don't have the numbers off my top of my head um i don't know because i would say like you can read a book and i can't um but i think we also came into the tiktok era like that and i think there are people that just need that quick fix of things and that's how they stay entertained but i can also but i can also watch a feature film and you know be pretty entertained yeah um uh, well i want to talk a, a little bit about just keep on this the social dilemma did you watch that i did not because it's totally yeah it's fine if you didn't i was like i i'm participating in this i'm not gonna watch it it's gonna make me feel bad but i don't think it so just the one piece that stuck out to me is that you know, it is the bigger companies that are influencing mm -hmm. it to make oh, the yeah. apps more addictive. But it's not there. If you ask one person, they're not malicious people. They don't yeah. have evil intent. They're just like, oh, how do we make this better? Yeah. And so I don't think it's about the, the creator who's like ruining this. I think yeah. it's the way they were designed. Do you think that maybe apps should have more things like I know YouTube has implemented an option that i don't use but it's like you can set a like two hour time and it'll send you a reminder like hey do you want to chill and get yeah. off the app do you think more of that needs to be put in yeah, place i don't i know you're not on tiktok but there's actually like there's two tiktok guys that's like if tiktok has sensed that you've uh been on TikTok for a while, it'll pop up and it'll be like, hey, stop scrolling. And it's like, fuck you, man. Get the fuck off my <laughs> So page. it doesn't work. It's not effective. I think some people actually listen to it. I, like, I know once it gets past a certain time, it'll be like, it's pretty late. You should go to bed. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to scroll for another hour. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think I know people that use that. I think I I get bored after a while. Like, I, I can... You know, I was on TikTok for probably like 40 minutes this morning and I was like, all right, I got to like move on because I'm getting a little tired of these. Um, but I know, I also know when I first started TikTok, you know, I was on it, I could be on it for five hours, yeah. like nothing. But I, I, again, I think that's kind of like how we are. And I think uh, we have like this big kind of worry about like, oh, are we spending too much time on this or that? But in, at the end of the day, we're spending the same amount of time on everything, you know, whether yeah. it's on our phone, just like, sometimes you just need a mental health break and like to just zone out and watch stupid stuff for a while. And that's why people like entertainment. And also sometimes I need to, you know, like make music instead of make comedy. Um, and it's just like, we always find those outs and they can be very addicting and apps like social media are, are meant to keep you there. But I think at the end of the day, people have like that. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there that physically are addicted to their phones, but like, if I feel like I'm on my phone too much, I have no problem setting it down and like doing other stuff for, you know, the entire day, I think. Mm -hmm. And, but I liked what you said uh, about like getting bored with the app. Cause I do think, and I, 
I use YouTube a lot, probably mm. as much as like anyone uses yeah. TikTok. So I'm not like anti-social media yeah. by any means, but I do think there comes a point where it's like if you're on the YouTube homepage and you're scrolling for long enough, you're like either I've seen all these videos mm -hmm. or they're all the same type of video. Yeah. And so I think every social media has that thing like, oh, I've seen enough of these types of pictures or these yeah. types of videos. And so I do think there's always going to be new types of social media invented. Oh, yeah. But there's always going to be a reason to like get off the app and be like, I need to create something that's different than yeah. this monotonous like kind of junk that you get the the gist of after yeah. a couple hours or you know however much time. Yeah. And I think as as horrible as social media is, there's a reason we're all drawn to it because it is entertainment at the end of the day. Um, as bad for our mental health as it may be, like I li I started making TikToks because it was like the first social media since like Vine that I was like, oh, this stuff is like funny and it's not just like look how fake my life is because I I, I think, think Instagram is like or like did you have a yeah Instagram one? is very fake and like I. Every time I post on Instagram, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. I'm only doing this to, like, keep the few Instagram followers I have. Um, whereas, like, on TikTok, I can be a little bit more vulnerable. And I think that's what I like about TikTok is kind of mixes that, like, Twitter and Instagram. Where it's, like, Twitter, I feel like, can be a little bit more vulnerable, but also have stupid-ass tweets. Mm -hmm. Um and Instagram is like, you see me. Uh, and I think TikTok kind of mixes that in a cool way. Hey, I appreciate you uh, listening this far. I'm going to reward you with another shower thought. We use rubbing alcohol to heal our external wounds and drinking alcohol to heal our internal wounds. So, drink up, I guess. Look Do not treat your inside wombs with drinking alcohol. That is not good. Yeah, use ethanol. Just the, <laughs> the skin stuff. Um, okay, let's just jump right back into it. So I wanted to touch on vulnerability because you've mentioned that a couple times mm -hmm. throughout this interview, especially on TikTok. I know it's short videos and you know you only have a minute to make something. But I want to talk about how you still manage to, I don't know, find inspiration in kind of mental health that affects you. And also, I want to touch on the TikTok lives where you have that longer form mm -hmm. and you can kind of make a connection with your yeah. fans. Yeah, I, I've always been one. Uh, I realized pretty early on because I, I was someone who struggled with depression. I was very suicidal. As a middle schooler, I tried to kill myself twice. Um, unsuccessfully, thankfully, uh, I can't not say it without laughing now cause I'm an insane person, but, uh, I also have anxiety. I was bulimic for like six months, uh, and I have like binge eating disorder and I struggle with body. I struggle with a ton of stuff. Um, and I just realized like very early on that, like, I felt so isolated in all of those things. But when you learn so many people go through this stuff. Um, so I've always been one where I realized if I just like talk about it and if I just tell people that I do this stuff, it not only helps me because it helps me accept it all, but it also helps other people just knowing that there's people out there going through the same stuff. And, you know, especially on TikTok where I have a following people like think I'm like, I don't know, worth following. It's, it's a weird thing to talk about where like people... 
I don't want to say look up to me, but like that's kind of where like that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, bow down, everybody. Uh, so like, but it is like you know if if somebody you like admire, uh, fuck, I sound like such an asshole right now. No, we'll, like, no, you know. well, like, uh, talk about vulnerable vulnerable stuff, and like you see somebody you really like also go through, um, bad stuff. Or, like, a lot of people think I'm, like, this super confident person, and I, like, come off as very outgoing and very confident in myself. So I think it's helped a lot of people when they hear me talk about how not confident I am in any part of myself. Um, you want to talk about the lives? Yeah. Um, and, like, through live, you know, I can make those connections, and I, like, know some of my followers, like, story, and I know where they live, and I know some things about their life, and that also gives me a platform where like people will ask me like hey this is this happening and I can be like well this is what I experienced um so that's just a cool way to like get in touch with people oh yeah and because I think you are very vulnerable I know I did a like a documentary for my class where I got to sit in on your TikTok lives and you were Mm -hmm. very open with you know obviously a, a lot of the your close friends are on there, but yeah. also a lot of strangers. And I think it was cool to see how uh, open you were on the, the live stream. But I did want to talk about just fame in general, not even necessarily TikTok fame, mm-hmm. but because I do think it gives you a, like, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's hard to say admire, but just mm-hmm. like when they see you doing it it's almost like a status thing yeah where if they hear you talking about something that you struggle with then someone else is like okay this person's being open on such a big platform that's reassuring or that helps me feel better about myself so i think it is a good thing but just talking about the the fame in general a how does it feel because yeah just answer that i would say I don't say fame because I am not like How would you I'm define TikTok it? famous, I guess. I would still say I'm popular on TikTok. But I mean at the end of the day it's like seventy five thousand followers on TikTok is like probably equivalent to like five thousand YouTube subscribers. Um, where it's like, yeah, there's a handful of people that like would be kind of excited to like meet me, uh, and I'd be like yeah what's up uh but most people are like oh that's that guy and it's so like it doesn't on. even feel it's i mean there'll be some weird moments where i like i'll meet somebody and they'll be like by the way i follow you on tiktok i know you're tiktok famous and it's like well that's kind of weird for you to say i'm just a dude um yeah well that's uh, what i wanted to say because i mean obviously you're not like strutting around the apartment like some cocky yeah. guy and you never like talk about it but i think it's interesting to see how other people react to hearing that you have, you know, yeah. 75,000 followers. Cause I, I know that the moment you're talking about where it's like people recognize you when it's just like a group yeah. setting and it's just like, Oh, we're all like yeah. friends here, but it's like, Oh, he's like famous on something. Yeah. How does that feel? Like just in real, like in real life, how is that? I don't feel? know. I mean, it's just kind of weird. Cause yeah. it's like, there's, it's not like inherently bad and it's like, I'm not like upset about it. And, I, but I also am just like, I don't feel like 
it's not like cool to me like it's i'd rather us never talk about it than like you know because i kind of hate when people bring it up because i'm just like yeah that's something i do um yeah it's just kind of weird because i don't think of myself any differently because of that many followers you know because i don't think it takes i don't know even like even if i had you know a couple million followers and it's easy to say now when i don't i don't think i would be that much different because again at the end of the day i'm a person who has you know seen very low lows in life so i don't think that there's anything that makes me inherently better or more likable than anyone else well, yeah, and I think, obviously, you know, I consider 75,000 a lot, and I consider you, like, famous on TikTok, mm -hmm. even if you don't consider yourself that way. And I think it's interesting how, you know, we hear about celebrity stories, like, big, big mm -hmm. celebrities who are like, oh, they had everything, and they, like, didn't enjoy it, or, like, you know, they, you know, either committed yeah. suicide, or just these, like, really sad stories. And I wonder if someone, and this is kind of, you have to like imagine before mm -hmm. you had this many, yeah. if someone was like, it's not that special, it doesn't change things, would you believe them? Uh, I would say it's not special, I would believe. It doesn't change things, I wouldn't believe. I think it does change things because people would treat you differently. Like even in this, even with my very little amount of clout, you know, people will treat me differently. People like talk to me differently as if like, I'm not the same dude just with a platform now. And it's like, not to be all grateful dead on main, but if you go to Jerry Garcia, the guitarist and one of the lead singers for the grateful dead, um, he, he like people would go to his shows and they would have religious services for him. They thought that he was the Messiah. They thought he was God and they he couldn't go anywhere like without swarms of people around him which led to him just sitting in his hotel room every night doing heroin which ultimately led to his death because that was the only he couldn't go like to a restaurant he had no out he couldn't do anything but sit in a room because people would destroy his life so i think you know at the end of the day it's it's not special because I I don't think that I mean famous can be good and you can make money from it but like it it can drastically change your life because you're perceived so differently by everyone else where like at the end of the day and and you know it can actually change who you are definitely because you know if you've been told you're the messiah over and over again you know if you're the best soccer player in the world and you, you think that you're the best or you're told that you're the best, eventually it's going to like creep into your brain, you know? Yeah. Do you think that there, do you think there will always be like the majority of people who are like, they see or hear about a famous person and they're like always starstruck? Do you ever think yes. that there's ever going to be a way for people to get over that now that we have social media and it's like, you know, if the amount of millionaire or million people people with million followers mm -hmm. is like a huge number do you think that will kind of still still be like treated with respect and your message is listened to mm -hmm. but not as 
you don't experience as many of those like destructive elements of yeah. fame where it's like treat you like a god yeah. and like can't even like have a normal conversation with you. I would say from what I've seen, probably not. I think there's always going to be the people who dehumanize you in both sides. I think I think there could be a point where we start realizing that they're humans and we stop like freaking out when we see them. But uh, I also don't think that people are going to stop being able to say just truly horrendous things behind screens to human beings because mm -hmm. they assume that they won't see it or they don't because like these people have been so dehumanized as like stars um that i don't think people are ever going to stop that so i think that there's always going to be that element of like people who like you aren't going to treat you like a person because they're going to be so starstruck and then people who hate you aren't going to treat you like a person because they just think you're the scum of the earth yeah. so and obviously there's an element of jealousy yeah. in that i'm sure yeah um so the final topic I want to touch on and the reason I saved this for last is because I feel like it's your most like up and coming or like mm -hmm. the next thing you're working on is your music yeah so just briefly talk about like how you got into that why you got into music and then talk about what you're doing with it now um well I got I've always been somebody who's into music um but like it just there's just like a gap in my creativity I guess and I felt like as I think it was especially once I started like realizing that I want to do like comedy and acting and writing full time like I want that to be my employment I realized you know if I'm going to do this as a job I have to have another creative outlet that isn't like a job uh and that was music so I like just like said okay I'm going to learn how to play the guitar just because I want to be able to like Cause I feel like that's a very emotional instrument. If I'm feeling down or whatever, I can go on the guitar and like, that's like a way to get my feelings out, um, just to myself. Uh, and then I just kind of learned and learned and I eventually got better. And then one day I just like wrote a song. Um, and it's pretty good. I think uh, it's like a very good song I'd say. Um, at least I like it a lot. Not everyone will like it, but I think some people will. Um, and Nathan, our other roommate, is a music producer. He does, like, EDM stuff. Um, and I just, like, sent it to him, and I was like, would you want to produce this? And he's like, yeah, let's definitely do that. That's super cool. And then corona hit, and I was stuck in quarantine for, you know, months. And I was like, well, I got all this time, and, like, school's going to – me and Nathan will be back in the apartment, and there's not going to be much going on, so I might as well just, like, try to make an album. Um and then I just kept writing songs, and now there's like eight songs. I have more, but we're I'm st we're sticking for eight songs on the album. Uh, and just making an album, I guess. It's just yeah. another way to like write about how I feel and shit. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that's it's so cool that you're thinking about okay, I need another outlet that isn't like. It seems like compared to, like TikTok and just any other. Mm -hmm like pursuits like acting and comedy this one seems to be the one where it's like i'm just gonna do the songs mm -hmm. that i want to make and yeah. not focus on anything else yeah and i think that's i i really like that you said that because i think for any creator there kind of has to be that second thing where it's like if i want to be a professional in this yeah there is going to be an element of like 
having to compromise what your yeah. vision or like what you want your art to look like. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is important to have a second thing, even if it's just like filmmaking and having yeah. a second channel or, mm-hmm. um, you know, music and maybe having like a different type of music. Yeah. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. And I'm just going to end it with one more question. And I want you to give me as many answers as you can for this. Okay. So don't think of it like a one catch-all answer. Okay. Where does inspiration come from? Inspiration firstly comes from boredom. It comes from life. Um, it comes from the darkness, I think. I think um, once you hit like a low whether it's the lowest low or just like a subtle low, there's an urge to get out of it. And that's what I think inspiration is. Um, Cause you know, I'm never like, if I'm riding high on a project I just did, I'm, I'm never like, Ooh, I need to do this next thing. It's usually after when I feel like I haven't done anything in a while, then it's like, okay, well let me work on something. And then eventually something will hit. But I think it comes out of nowhere. Like I I'm starting to write a screenplay um like a full feature length um and it was just like one day I was like wow I have a lot of stories that I want to tell and they could all work as scenes and then I was like well this could probably work as like a screenplay it'll give me something to do and it was just I don't remember exactly what it was that tipped it off but it was just is there a bomb going on? <laughs> yeah that's Nathan showered sounds like a missile I don't know if the mic's gonna pick that up uh that's hilarious. That happens every time. Yes. Jeez, that sucks. Um, the first three times, I truly thought I was about to die. <laughs> Inspiration just comes from life, I think. You know, I'll, if you're a creator, always keep a notes folder ready to go in your phone. Uh, because I find that, you know, when you're writing, when you're like sitting down and you're forcing yourself to life to write, sometimes it'll happen sometimes you'll be able to write something super cool but usually it just comes out of nowhere i'd say yeah at the end of the day inspiration comes out of nowhere um it's not something you can plan it's not something you can fake um if you really have something to say if you really have a story to tell if you really have a, a piece of art to make it's gonna come to you at a random time and there's no faking it okay yeah that really like that answer do you want to talk about your platforms just where can people follow you where can people find more about you uh you can follow me on instagram ben prentice you can uh how is prentice spelled p-r-e-n-t-i-s-s ben is just b-e-n and you can follow me on tiktok at ben underscore prentice um or you can not follow me at all and it's not a big deal. Maybe you'll see something. And when might might we expect that album to come out? Hopefully February. Okay. I'm I'm guessing it'll be. I'm hoping February first because that's my birthday, and then I can guilt trip my followers into going to stream it as a birthday present. Um, but I think at the latest February twenty eighth. But I want it released in February because of the album title. Do you want to share it's, that? It's, it's going to be another low-key February. So just in March, if you're bored, look up another low-key February on Spotify, and maybe you'll see it. And I'm sure I'll definitely shout that out once yeah. it is ready. But all right, Ben, thank you for coming yeah. on the, the good podcast. Time. Good time. This has been Purple Elephant Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week.